0: Over the last couple of weeks, we've been addressing the doctrine of the Trinity as it relates to Orthodox Biblical Christianity and how it is corrupted by the cults. This week, we're going to deal with the doctrine of the oneness of God as it relates to the oneness of God, the Trinity, versus the Muslim view of Tawhid. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Yesterday, we had our debate with Peodor Waisubicki, And I was going to do a review of that debate, but um, it was really, really scattered, I'll just say that much. And I will tell you that he really couldn't answer the uh, objections that we had to his pantheistic view. But uh, that's neither here nor there. What I want to do, as I mentioned in the introduction, is deal with the whole doctrine of the oneness of God. Now when I talk about the oneness of God, you know, we believe as Christians that You know, there is just one God. You know, Christianity and Judaism and Islam all share this view of monotheism, the fact of mono meaning one, theism meaning God. Now, the question before us is the question of is the God of the Judeo Christian faith the same as the God of Islam? Is God monad or is God triune? And these, there's two terms I want to introduce here. One of them is going to be very familiar. It's the word Trinity, which means that the, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. There's one God, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. But all three, in essence, are God. One times one times one. If you go and you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, you see the, the word Shema, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now Christianity claims that God is one also. So that is what is common in the Judeo-Christian faith with Judaism and Christianity. At the same time, Islam claims that God is one, and that is the Shahada, which is the declaration there is, no, there is one God and there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his final messenger. Now does this mean The one is the one and the same thing in essence, and the answer to that question is no. So what I want to do in this time that we have, and hopefully we have plenty of time to do this, uh, what I'm doing is I'm using a presentation I gave at Germana a few years ago with regards to Trinity versus Tawhid. Now, the question first we're going to answer is, what is in a name, etymologically speaking? Then we're going to talk about the oneness of God, Monad, Tawhid, or Trinity, And then we're going to look at Islamic monotheism and can there be a relationship? And then we're going to deal with the question again of Tahid or Trinity and what does the Trinity look like? And I've mentioned this before and this is kind of going to be a way of of just reiterating what we have shared over the last couple uh, episodes. Now when we talk about etymology, we're talking about the meaning of words. As such, the Holy Bible uses the term as only one of many titles for Yahweh. Now the, the Hebrew word is Yahweh, the only one true God. And there's also the word Elohim which is a plural of majesty and it's used in the third person singular verb when, the, when you're talking about the God who exists. Yet the problem arises from the fact that Muslims insist that Allah is not a title but a personal name of the God of Islam. This becomes a problem in the discussion because according to the Bible, the name of the God of Abraham is not Allah, but Yahweh. God spoke further to Moses and said I am, uh, said to him, I am Yahweh, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. And that is Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. Now, you and I will have conversations maybe with Arabic Christians. And I don't want us to go sideways or get a rash one. They use the term a lot because they're not using it in the context of Islam, they're using it in the context for, as a personal name for the God of the Holy Bible. So then the question is, what is in a name? Well etymologically speaking, they're not the same God. We are well aware that the name Allah is used in the Arabic, Arabic-speaking Christians for the God of the Bible. In fact, the root which the name is derived, Illah, which originates out of the ancient Semitic languages corresponding to the Mesopotamian Il, as well as the Hebrew of Aramaic El. Now, as an example of this, we see the names Ishmael, Emmanuel, Israel, and these terms Il and El are often used to refer to any deity worshipped as a high god, especially the chief deity amongst a pantheon of lesser gods. Now we could go on, we can really split hairs with this. This is the way that it's used, this is just a description of the way that it's used. It does not mean that there are a pantheon of gods. You can look at that at Isaiah 43:10, 45 22, and 44 verse 6. So When you look at Islam, you look at Judaism, the religion of Israel holds to a monad or a oneness in nature of God. Like I said, this is what Islam and Judaism have in common. But there are differences that I will speak to later. So when we use the word God, what do we mean? Well in the Christian context, when we are using the defining word God for the purposes of this episode and our conversations, we are referring to one who is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, uncaused, powerful, moral, personal, intelligent, sustainer, creator, and the first cause and exist of the existence and the designer of the universe. God is the only entity in existence, the reason for whose existence is in himself. In other words, he's necessary, an ontological being. So would Islamic Christianity agree with this? Well, when we um, look at this the oneness of God, Monad or Tahid or Trinity, we have to refer to the very beginning of, of the Judeo-Christian faith. And that is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, the, the, the Shema, where it says the Shema opens with hear O Israel, the Lord Yahweh is our God, the Lord Yahweh is one. He also says in Isaiah 43.10, which I mentioned earlier and and 45.22 and 44.6, I'll read those for you. 44.3 says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know that and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. That's Isaiah 43.10. Thus, this is 44.6, Thus the Lord says, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and there is no gods, no God besides me. And then it says in 45.22 of Isaiah, says, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. Now when we look at the taheed of monotheistic Islam, there is no need for a personal relationship, just willful obedience and submission to the five pillars of Islam. When we look at the um, uh, pillars of Islam, we have the Shahada, we have giving of alms, we have the Salat, which is the prayers, we have Ramadan, and we have the Hajj. Now it is obligatory for all Muslims to follow Sharia and anyone who does not follow it holds to a false concept of man's relationship with God. But if you can't have a relationship with God, th- th- that is, that is a, a bankrupt statement. Regarding people's relationship with God, the basic Islamic principle is that people should do their best to act in line with divine attributes. Now, can there be a relationship in Islamic monotheism? Now, before performing any deed, any good Muslim would say, in the name of Allah, most gracious and merciful, either to make sure that he or she is not committing an act of sin or shirk, or asking God to show mercy in case of sin is committed. Now, to be in relationship with somebody, somebody else, it involves two beings relating to one another. In other words, relationships are a two-way street. If Islam promotes Allah as being personal, but that interaction is only in the direction toward Allah in worship and obedience. The question stands: where is the relationship? How do they know? that Allah is gracious. How do they know that Allah is merciful if there's no two-way relationship? So while Allah is personal in personality, there is no personal relationship between Allah and His creation. It's just a one-way road, a one-way street. There is no personal intervention on the part of Allah answering prayer. Prayer is said, uh, or praying the salat is prayed five times a day in an act of willful obedience. While Allah is personal in personality, there is no personal relationship between He and the creation. Unlike the Judeo-Christian faith, where there is uh, an IU relationship, in Islam, there is no IU relationship. So when the Quran calls Allah beneficent or merciful, if there is an if there's no you or no IU relationship, how can Allah be known as being having attributes of being merciful or beneficent. It can't happen. Now, Islam, believing that there is only one God, considers the triune nature of the Christian Godhead as pagan and polytheistic. They look at it as God, Allah, Jesus, and Miriam. That is a false false, uh, assertion uh, that is found basically in the pseudopigrapha gospels like the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Barnabas, which are late and they are not found in the Christian gospels. What is the difference between Tahid and Trinity? Again, according to Islam and the Quran, God is a monad, or one, and not triune, meaning the Trinity is false. In Surah 4, Ayah 172, it says, Never would the Messiah disdain to be a servant of Allah nor would the angels near to him and whoever disdains his worship is arrogant and he will gather them, gather them to himself altogether. In Surah 5, Ayah 73 they have certainly disbelieved to say Allah is the third of three and there is no God except one God and if they do not desist from what they are saying, they are surely of they will surely afflict the disbelievers among them uh, a painful punishment. In Surah 9, ayah 30, it says that the Jews say Ezra is the son of Allah, and the Christians say the Messiah is the Son of Allah. That is their statement from their mouths. They imitate the saying of those who disbelieve before them. May Allah destroy them how they. How are they deluded? Now when we talk about Trinity and Tahid, the Quran says in Surah 59 Ayahs 22-24, to 24, it says He is God, there is no other God than Him. It is He who knows what is hidden as well as what is in the open. He is the Lord of mercy How do they know this? The giver of mercy, how do they know that? He is God. There is no other God than Him, the Controller and Holy One, source of peace, grantor of security, guardian over all, the Almighty, the Compeller, the truly great God, is far above anything they consider to be His partner. He is God. Again, these are attributes that they're bringing into this. They have no relationship with God, so they don't know that He is all of those things. The ayah goes on and says this, The best names belong to Him. Everything in heaven and earth glorifies Him. He is Almighty the wise. Again, that was uh, uh, Surah 59, uh, 22-24. Now, um, also in uh, uh, Surah 2, uh, Ayah 255, it says this, God, there is no God but Him, the ever-living, the ever-watchful, neither slumber nor sleep overtakes Him. All that is in the heavens and in the earth belongs to Him who is there that can intercede with him except by his leave. He knows what is before him and what is behind them but they do not comprehend any of his knowledge except what he wills. Well how do they know this? They're, this is fatal, Islam is fatalistic. His thrones extend over the heavens and the earth. It does not weary him to preserve them both. He is the Most High, the Tremendous. Again, How do they know that He is the Tremendous if there is no I-U relationship in Islam? It says this, in uh, Surat al-Ikhlas, chapter 112, say, He, Allah, is one, Allah the Eternal. He begets not, nor is He begotten. He neither begets nor is born, and there is none like unto Him. That is Surat al-Ikhlas, chapter 112. Now, in the Quran, in uh, Yusuf Ali's Quran, uh, Surah 5, Ayah 73, it says this, "...they do blaspheme who say that Allah is one of three in a trinity. For there is no God except one Allah, if they desist not from their word or blasphemy, Verily, a grievous penalty will befall the blasphemers among them. But of all the chapters of the Quran that they memorize as Muslim children, there is one that is recited more frequently than any other. It wasn't long, only four verses, but Muhammad taught that it encapsulated a third of the Quran's teachings, making it the weightiest chapter of scripture in the core doctrine of the Islamic faith. It is Surat Ikhlas chapter 112. Its third verse contains this, God is not a father, God does not beget, he is not a son, nor is he begotten. And that is found in the late Nabil Qureshi's book uh, Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. Now Islam's view of Jesus is that God has no son, and he, Jesus, could not die on a cross. In John chapter 1-1 verse 14 and Colossians 2-9 we see something totally different. Now um, in Islam Jesus is not God and not God in human flesh. And you have some uh, Quranic uh, references in Surah uh, 4, ayah 172 uh, uh, Surah five seventy three, and 9 and 30. So in Christianity, all four Gospels record that Jesus was crucified, but in Islam he was not. Surah 4.158 says this, and they're saying, we did kill the Messiah Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, whereas they slew him not, nor crucified him, but he was made to appear to them like one crucified, And those who differ therein are certainly in a state of doubt about it. They have no definite knowledge thereof, but only follow a conjecture, and they did not convert this conjecture into certainty. Now, this is referencing an 18th century forgery known as the Gospel of Barnabas. So, the question that stands before us now, so what is the Christian view of the Trinity, with relation to God. Jesus in the Gospels claimed to be Yahweh, the one true God, and He proved to be God via His resurrection. But saying that Jesus is God raises a host of objections. And I want to do, what I want to do here is I want to uh, uh, deal with some of these. First off, um, what does this not mean? By way of keeping the view of God in the front of our minds, once again we use the word of God, what do we mean? What we are using or defining God for the purposes of our time together right now, we are referring to God once again as one who is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, uncaused, powerful, moral, personal, intelligent, the sustainer and creator of the first cause, the kalam, if you will, the existence and designer of the universe. God is the only entity in existence, the reason for whose existence is in himself. So would Islam and Christianity agree to this? And I believe the answer to that is absolutely yes. So what it does not mean, it does not mean that God is one God and three gods or one person and three persons, which would be necessarily false contradictions. Rather the Trinity is the notion that there exists within one God, three co-eternal, in essence and nature, co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is different from the Son but God is, God is three in a different way I should say. Let me repeat that. God is three in a different way than He is one and thus there is no contradiction you will see the um, the the picture in the episode, as you've seen in the last three, as you've gone and pulled this up, you've seen the diagram of the Trinity, where you have one God, where you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you see the is between the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Now, Contrary to popular belief, the Trinity is not against reason, even though it is beyond our ability to comprehend. There is a difference between comprehending something, and when you go and you look at all the evidence, you can apprehend the truth of something. And we can apprehend what has been revealed to us. And the most common illustration that we have, by way of going and drawing that diagram into the when I talked about the the diagram. That's a second-century diagram, by the way. The most common common illustration that we have is what is that of an equilateral triangle where you have three equal sides and three equal angles. Yet each angle is distinct yet equal, and without them the triangle would not be an equilateral triangle. Similarly, there is only one God, Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, yet the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and so on. While no analogy is perfect, and I know that there's a bunch of analogies and I could do a whole podcast of what the Trinity is not, but I'm not going to do that. While an analogy is perfect, is, 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 no analogy is perfect. You can think of God as one essence, Meaning what? And three persons. Who? So the who is the what? The Father is what? Is the Son is what? Uh, the Holy Spirit is what? Each person is a who? So the who is the what? The doctrine of the Trinity states that it that exists in within one God, three co-eternal, co-equal persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, this is not a contradiction since God is said to be three in a different way, that He is one, Jesus added humanity to Himself, and thus having both divine and human nature. And I went through some of those attributes. You have that handout from last week's episode on the persons of the Trinity as far as um, what uh, each of those persons of the Trinity have. So I'm not going to uh, illustrate that for you. Now regarding Jesus, in addition to His divine nature... As Philippians 2,5 through11 notes, he added human nature when he became man at his incarnation. This is totally contrary to what Bill Johnson from Bethel Reading uh, teaches, where he said that Jesus lost his deity and was fully human, uh, full humanity. No, sir, that is not true. Jesus added humanity to his divine nature in his incarnation. And while Jesus is fully God, he is also totally man. 100% of both. Theologically speaking, it is what is known as what we call the hypostatic union, which means two distinct natures in one person. Therefore, when asking a question about Jesus, we must consider his dual nature. When we talk about this from uh, some instances here, let me give you some examples. When Jesus says that he doesn't know something, we must realize that that is in his human nature he does not know, yet in his divine nature he knows all things. And when he gets tired or hungry, it is his human nature, not his divine nature. And when he says the Father is greater than he, it is because his human nature is submissive to the Father, yet their divine natures are equal. In other words, Jesus is not less than God. Now let me wrap up with some final thoughts on here. Okay? First, are the gods of the great monotheistic three great monotheistic religions the same in essence as understood? In Judaism and Christianity the answer to that question is yes they are equal in essence and nature. However the Jews miss out on the deity of Jesus Christ. Now with regards to Islam with Judaism and Christianity uh, are Islam is the God of Islam with Judaism and Christianity the same uh, God in essence and nature? And the answer to that question is no. If God Allah is loving or beneficent and merciful, how does one know if, there's, if it's a matter of a relationship that they do not have? If God is loving, who was God loving before He created man? And only the Judeo-Christian faith can answer this. God did not create man with a need for, being, for a created being to love. Let me say that again so nobody gets a rash on this. God did not create man with a need for, uh, for, a, need for a created being to love. In other words, God didn't need to create us to love. Yet love was already in His nature. But he chose to love man. As Christian thinkers, we believe it is important to know the real. The Christian view of God is unique in other worldviews because it's relational. There is a God. Um, Isaiah 43.10, 44.6, and 45.22 uh, We've talked about those. The Christian God is triune, and he is the only God God has revealed Himself in three ways in creation, in the Bible, and through Jesus Christ. God created the universe and all that is in it in, with order and design, and the universe is not an accident. And all of life on earth was created by God with the design and purpose. Life did not evolve. As Christians, God made man in His image, distinct from the animals, Man did not evolve. Man is morally responsible and answerable to God. And all areas of life are subject to God and should have Christian principles guiding them. Personal, public, political, medicine, science, art, literature. Only God can save. Man cannot save himself. Religion is man reaching up to God. Christianity is God reaching down to man through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way of escape of true ju- of the true judgment of God. That's Acts 4.12 and John chapter 14 and verse 6. So when we think of the Trinity, we find unity and diversity. Ultimately, unity and diversity is found in the Trinity, in which brings forth community. There was the great G.K. Chesterton in Christian Apologetics to Islam in Lingle's book, G.K. Chesterton has said, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity is one of the strongest arguments for the Christian faith, and the only answer for unity and diversity in the world as we know it. This is the same G.K. Chesterton who said the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, but it's also been found difficult and left untried. And to to have a right to do a thing is not all the same as be right in doing it. So, Jesus is not just a prophet. He is God in human flesh. Yahweh in human flesh. He is the great I Am, which He said in John chapter 8 verse 58, and that's why they picked up stones to stone Him. Being itself the source of all creation, Genesis 1.1, 1:1, Colossians 1.15 and 17. And as such, this has tremendous implications for what He teaches. If you are a Muslim, I want to welcome you. as salam alaykum. Uh, alaykum Thank you for listening. If you're a Christian, I hope this strengthens you. I want to let you know if you're a Muslim, he loves you, and you can know him personally. If you have any questions, please email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. I want to let you know I love you as well, and pray that he reveals himself in a dream to you if you're a Muslim. I pray that sincerely because I love you as a fellow created human being. If you have any questions, please email us at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. And as you go out, you know, with everything going on in our world today, I want to let you know that the Christian faith is an unsinkable battleship when it comes to a worldview. And I want to let you know that we. Are here to help you uh, engage the culture around you, and we're here to help you understand the true nature of the Christian faith. And I wanted to bring this whole idea of Trinity and Taheed because this is a very important thing, especially when we talk about, we'll talk to Muslims who come, are coming into the country and they're coming in by way of immigration because of the great immigration that has uh, happened as a result of Afghanistan. I don't have any thoughts on that that I can share with you. I do have my thoughts on that, but I'm not going to go into that. But as you go out this week, as you go, be have the ears of a German shepherd. Go out there with compassion. Be loving, be gracious, be merciful, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. But as you go, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.